0: As you're seated, uh, I want to specifically invite those uh, families who are joining us online. This would be the moment for uh, your kiddos to jump on Cove Kids Live as uh, they work through what are the foundations of the faith. Uh, So excited to see all of you here in worship today. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there as the kids are jumping uh, online. Also, I want to just pause for a moment of pastoral privilege and invite us to be praying for uh, other congregations in our area and around uh, the region that are returning to in-person worship for the first time today. Uh, I know that uh, I personally know of many that are returning for the first time today, specifically our sister congregation, the Woodlands Methodist uh, across the creek at the front of the Woodlands is returning to in-person today. I remember in May, whenever we did that, it was like there was a lot of anxiety around that and there was a lot of question and how is this going to work? Uh, and uh, it, it takes a little while to to settle in. So prayers for uh, protection for the Church of Jesus Christ uh, across this region in the world in this season, but also prayers for uh, all of those that would attend that they would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in their lives and in their midst. Uh, Galatians chapter five. We're going to be reading verse thirteen through eighteen. Uh, Again, if you have your Bibles, I hope you'll follow along with me there. We're going to be specifically in these verses uh, throughout the message this morning, so uh, you could stay with me there and get your, get your pens ready as we uh, work to, to dig in together. Hear the word of the Lord. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. They're in conflict with each other, so that, you are, uh, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. This is the Word of God uh, offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, so we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we come into this space and time thankful for your word and for the chance we have as your children to gather around it to hear from you. Lord, you have a word specifically for us this day, so I ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear open our minds, we would come to know and understand your word, our hearts, we would feel its power. Then I ask that you would open our hands, that we would serve you and offer grace and love to the world. We pray this together as the people of God in Jesus' name, amen. So I was at a wedding last weekend uh, in Iowa. Who knew Iowa was beautiful? Hands, anyone? Uh, I, I, I found out that Iowa was beautiful. It was, uh, the wedding was set at a vineyard, and uh, the backdrop was overlooking uh, this rolling hillside of vineyards and crops, and it was magnificent. I was stunned by the beauty of it. I, I want to thank Megan for bringing the word last week while I was out, uh, listened to her sermon this week, and we were blessed by uh, the word of God that she proclaimed uh, uh, for us and that God proclaimed through her. Well, while I was at that wedding, uh, during the, the reception, uh, I, I didn't know kind of what the, the seating arrangements were going to be, but for some reason I got seated in a place of honor amongst uh, the, some of the family members in the front, which is not so good for someone that, that is a really picky eater. Are any of you picky eaters? How many of you pretty much avoid vegetables at all costs? Okay, so that's me. That's how I live my life. I don't like vegetables. Uh, uh, My wife has trained me to consume vegetables. I don't like them. I consume them. And so uh, of course, we sat down at this reception. I'm sitting at the at, at the family table up front, and and the, the salads are brought out and they're placed before us, and and they're they're beautiful for anyone that likes salads. There's all different sorts of green things, not just one kind. Like I, I like I know what romaine, romaine is, right? Like that's one kind of lettuce I can identify. I also know what iceberg is. Water, so I could eat iceberg. <laughs> but but it had all these different forms of vegetables, uh, particularly green things on the plate. And so I look around and see that they have. Uh, oil and vinegar uh, uh, dressing, and I'm like, whew, I could just douse this green stuff with that oil and vinegar, and I'm going to be okay. So there's a spoon in the oil and vinegar, and I like swirl it all up, be sure it's all sorts of good, so I could dump it on my plate. But then I remember where I am and my manners that my mother taught me, and so I offer the oil and vinegar to uh, the lady that was across the table from me, Miss Connor. And so I offered her the oil and vinegar, and of course, it then began running all the way around the table. Well, what do I do as the oil and vinegar is making its way around the table? I talk. It's what I professionally do. This is legit how I I, I live. I just start talking, and we're telling stories, and and we're having fun, and and we're having this great conversation going on. The oil and vinegar comes back to me, and and I take it, and I continue uh, conversing, and I just start dumping And then I looked down and realized that the dressing has totally separated as it made its way around the table. So all I poured all over my salad was oil. I just made myself an oil and vegetable appetizer. But I'm at at the front table, I'm in front of everybody, I put it down, I panic, I'm like, what did I just do to myself? And then I look down and I think, well, I have to consume this. Because it's, it's proper. I can't be improper. I can't be rude. You know, this this, this beautiful wedding is being hosted. And I've flown to Iowa. And, and here I am at this table. So I have to consume it. So one bite at a time, I consumed all of those green things doused in oil. And will never, ever, ever make that mistake again. From now on, I will Always look down to be sure that it is mixed properly. But it's not easy for it to mix properly, right? There's a reason why we call uh, two things that are contrasting oil and water, particularly personalities. You know, if you're talking about two personalities that just don't seem to jive, that don't seem to mix, someone will say, Man, those two, they're like oil and water, they just don't mix. They don't get along. And and, and this is why, because you remember in science class when you did this experiment, you poured poured oil into water and the oil went down. And as it came back up, it all gravitated towards itself. It, It did not mix on its own at all. It desired, it seemed, to be separated. And will always, oil and water will always, on their own separate from one another. There's a reason why we say that about personalities, and, and I believe there's a reason why we see that kind of contrast, that kind of even conflict, being described here in this text for us. Now, no, I I believe that that Paul lines out for us practically how to drive this home and live this out in our lives at the opening verse, verse 13 of what we read. But in order to catch the potency of verse 13, we're actually gonna start at verse 17 and work our way backwards, because as we work our way backwards, we're going to to have it made clear for us what this practical learning is. Are you ready? So, together as the people of God, we're gonna turn to verse 17. And and let's look at this together uh, as we uh, hear how these two uh, things work, uh, not together, but in contrary fashion. So it says, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I want to start with they're in conflict with each other. Sometimes we, we act as though the old life and the new life can some way find harmony in a fresh existence. You know, we at Covenant, over the course of this year, have been working on uh, what does it mean to be made new in Christ. And this series that we're in is about letting go of the old and and this old way of operating, this old way of finding our being and and, and working in the world. And so whenever we enter into this new life, uh, we are enticed by Satan to think that the old and the new can in some way work in harmony that the flesh and the spirit have harmony. But it actually says that they are in direct conflict with one another. Conflict. They're at war with one another. Those two things are fighting each other. And there is a striving and, and, and a violence that's caught up in this, this uh, existence of flesh and spirit. And so when we hear they're in conflict with one another, even, even the oil and water or the oil and vinegar doesn't seem to quite get it. I want you to, to remember another one of those uh, science experiments that you did when you were a kid or maybe when you're an adult because they're still fun. Um, two magnets, right? Right? When you get the north and the south, they come together. But when you get the north and north and the south and the south, what do they do? They they repel one another. And what did you do as a kid? You set one on the ground and you like like leaned over it and you pressed it and you tried to find a way to get it to work. And your teacher said, "Not gonna work." fool. Uh, like, like I'm sure the teacher's just sitting in the background laughing at the student like, what, what are you trying to do? But I was that kid that was determined. I was like, hey guys, let's all get together and we all work together. We, we all got our hands on it and tried to smush the two things together. But in, in, they were absolute uh, repelling one another so that as soon as you let go, you could see it almost jump back in a violent response. That those two things could not Coexist together. They were in conflict with one another. Flesh and spirit in conflict. And now, now that word flesh, it it, it seems to, uh, to 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 distract us uh, at times because we don't quite grasp uh, what we're talking about. We don't go around using uh, flesh in colloquial everyday terms uh, like it is happening here in this text. And so whenever we hear this Christian ease, we have to back out of it and say, what are we dealing with here so that we can move forward? When it's talking about the desires of the flesh or the way in which the flesh is working, it's it's what moves us in opposition to God. What is, in fact, leading us? us to sin. It's the things that are self-gratifying. It's it's those things that that are self-centered. And so when we put all of that in the mix, we could see that this spirit and flesh can't work together because one is about me and one is about God. And those two things are indeed in conflict it's described also in verse 17, uh, not just at the conclusion they're in conflict with one another, but, but it talks at the beginning that, that there's the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. Uh, I want to, to kind of rephrase that and reframe it to be sure that we, we grasp. it. It, it, it is uh, personifying both of those things such that they both have desires, they actually uh, are, 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 are aiming at something, driving towards something. So it's not just that God has a desire, but my flesh has a desire. It's not just that God has a goal or an aim, but my flesh has a goal or an aim. And those two things are aiming in very different directions. Do you remember in the Hunger Games whenever Katniss Everdeen is is being like interviewed for her sponsors and she's like performing for everybody uh, her her archery skills and like she's supposed to be aiming downrange at this target and there's the bullseye there and she shoots the first arrow and misses uh, and then everybody kind of goes on with their talking and, and then she she starts to aim back at that target again and, and then she turns from that target and aims at an entirely different target up on the platform where all of those sponsors are waiting and sees the apple in the pig's mouth. By the way, this is a very descriptive scene, so if you haven't seen that, I'm totally ruining it for you. Uh, And then takes the arrow and shoots the apple. She had a different aim, a different target. It was like in that moment when she was looking at this one target, she realized, I'm not trying to aim at that. I'm trying to aim at impressing those people and getting their attention. What better way to get their attention than to shoot an arrow right around them where you could have killed them all? Uh, So think about it. The spirit has a target, an aim, a goal in one direction, and the flesh has a target and aim in the other direction. I should have done that, by the way, in the opposite because I just pointed at the cross. So everybody online was like, wow, the cross. So let me reverse that. So the flesh has a target or aim in one direction and the spirit has a target and aim in another, right? And those two things are in direct contrast with each other. They're in conflict and in contrast so let's go a little bit further into defining what, what is the aim, what is the goal of the flesh? What's the desire of the flesh? What is gratifying the flesh? We're going to turn back to verse 14, one, one step, uh, oh, yeah, we're going to turn back to verse 14, one step further. It says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to get to that in a second, and it continues on to verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. If you bite and devour each other, watch, or you will be destroyed by each other. The desires of the flesh. What gratifies the flesh? What gratifies gratifies the flesh is working in opposition to your neighbor. Is, is working in an, entire, in, in, in an entire self-interest, self-invested focus. Why would we call it the desires of the flesh? It, beca- it means it, it is because it goes no further than the flesh. Can that help you all out? The desires of the flesh go no further than the flesh. So you're not thinking about anyone else or anything else. You're only thinking about yourself. You got it? So when it talks about the desires of the flesh are to bite, devour, destroy others, it's for your own personal gain. And and I want you to think about that. One bite seems to cause a certain level of harm, but then that next one and that next one and every one has to be more and more because the first is never satisfying enough. So I was trying to lose some weight once upon a time. And whenever I was trying to lose some weight, I realized that the number one place that Jason can't go when he's trying to lose weight is El Chaparro. Yeah, it's awful. Um, Or really any kind of Mexican food, because here's the deal. Whenever you go eat Mexican food, and they put chips in front of you, and they put that that crack green sauce in front of you you say to yourself I'm only gonna have one bite <laughs> I <don't say> that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm only gonna have one bite because it's that kind of good I need that in my life and so I'm gonna have just this one bite and then after that one bite you totally ignore what you once thought and you just keep going and whenever Jason eats chips and salsa, it, it, it's, like, it's like a shoveling mechanism, right? It's you don't even break, it, it's it's like you just keep going. And and no one wants in my family wants to share the salsa with me. So whenever we sit down at a Mexican food restaurant, they all ask for their own. And it's not because of coronavirus. It's entirely because they know that, that dad is gonna do this. He's just gonna go chip to mouth, chip to mouth getting plenty of the cracked green sauce dip on the way there. And so midway through, you realize that that bite had become Jason devouring the chips. And then whenever the waitress or waiter comes and they take the empty chip basket and there are still a few crumbs in there and you like slap the waiter's hand so that you can like get the last couple of chips, uh, you realize that you just destroyed it. I want you to see how those three things escalate. The flesh desires to bite, devour, and destroy others. But in so doing, you destroy yourself. Did you get that in that verse? I want to be sure you see that. In verse 15. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I might even be bold enough to add to Paul there and say you might participate in destroying yourself. That's what the desires of the flesh look like. And I want you to to, to pause just a moment. I want you to think in your own life and think in your own experience, what has sin been for me? What are my temptations? What does Satan continue to put before me in such a way as to lead me astray? And in so doing, whenever I have that examination, how does that harm someone else? whether you deceive someone else, whether you break their trust, whether you prove yourself to be uh, lacking in dependability, or you literally physically harm or emotionally harm, put those things in the mix. And when you bite, you devour, and you destroy each other. Those are the desires of the flesh. That is what gratifies the flesh, but the funny thing about the flesh is the flesh is not satisfied with just that one bite. Satan uh, sees that he was able to tempt you into taking that bite, and he will go back there over and over and over again. So that it's not just one, but it's two, it's four, it's eight, it's 16. It multiplies exponentially, and you have found yourself in a destructive pattern of behavior and sin. So we don't want to be there. We want to see the opposite, to see the contrast, to know what that conflict is. And so we have to dig into what the Spirit of God desires as well. It's not just the flesh that desires, the flesh that can be gratified, but it's the Spirit as well. And so let's take a step back to verse, uh, to verse 13, the second half of it. We'll start at the beginning so because you're going to see it on the screen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. See, the Spirit has has a a way of walking things out, a way of acting in the world, and has a desire for you and for me, for all of us in our lives. And and that Spirit of God desires for us to serve others in love. It then continues on to say that, that, that this is the summary. This is the summary of the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. It lays this out for us. so, So the Spirit of God desires your service to others for you to get outside of yourself and think about how do my actions, how do I enter into the world in such a way as to love others instead of harm others, to care for others instead of destroy others. And that's a totally different frame of thinking and you could quickly see how these two things have to be in conflict with one another and have to be in contrast with one another what does it mean for us to live by the spirit it means quite clearly to serve others in love well i know that that can seem hard at at this particular time in history I feel it I feel the challenge of that because I, I, I want to serve my neighbors. I want to serve this congregation. I want to serve this community. And in a, in a time, in a day and age where isolation is valued and self-preservation is, is a forefront of, considera- of my mind's consideration, I wonder, how can I serve others? Is it actually even possible to serve others in this day and age? And I want you to challenge yourself to think through how can I be invested in serving others even if we are apart physically or not together physically in the ways in which we once were. And when we put that consideration into mind, the Lord God Almighty will not leave that empty or void. He will bring to mind Bring to heart specific ways that we can serve each other even today. Even if two-thirds of covenant community are joining us online at this very moment and not able to be present with us physically, God will still convince us and lead us by the power of the Holy Spirit to serve others in this day and age. We must listen for the Lord's guidance there. I know that some of us feel this conflict. And when I describe the conflict that is existing between the desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh, uh, we, we have experienced that inside of ourselves. As though the flesh and the spirit have been at war, not just uh, in some external spiritual battle or warfare, but actually in us. And we feel the tension as those two things strive against each other. I think it's good for us to feel that tension and acknowledge it, but but for some of us, including myself, uh, many times I have found uh, in that space just crying out, calling for help. How? Wondering how? How can I let the Spirit win? How does the Spirit win today? Because it seems as though the flesh has won all too often, as that conflict has raged within my soul, and, and the Spirit and the flesh are driving at a different goal or aim. How can I, in this moment today, be a part of the Spirit's agenda, not the flesh's agenda? If that's a place that you've been, I want to invite you to consider this scripture as a practical tool that can lead you in obedience to the Spirit. Think about it. Whenever you feel the, cl- the conflict rage, what if you paused in that moment and didn't, didn't attempt to strive by your own strength, by your own willpower, by your own mental acuity? What if instead you asked God, by the power of your Spirit, who do you desire me to serve right now? Who do you wish for me to offer godly love to right now? I'm convinced that that would change the, the outcome of our actions, that we would walk our lives out differently. If whenever we were were, were intention between the spirit and the flesh if we would ask God who is being served who do you desire to be served right now we would be led in faithfulness a lot of times I feel like I, I the spirit is ethereal is other it's it's hard to stay in tune with the Spirit's actions, but here, here is a direct tool that Paul gives us as he describes the Spirit's leading as one that calls us to others. How, God, are you leading me to others? It opens up the passage, verse 13, it, it says that you're called to be freed brothers and sisters you have been freed you've been freed from sin you've been freed from death you've been freed by the power of the cross by the grace of Jesus Christ and since you've been freed you now get to live out your life making choices for the spirit over and over again making choices for love over and over again making choices for others over and over and over again and whenever we do that we are walking out a life in the spirit. We are gratifying the desires of the spirit. We are aiming towards a life in Christ. Let that be our aim in every moment of conflict so that we can exercise our freedom in obedience to the spirit. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? gracious and loving God what a gift it is that you give us this tool this clear and powerful witness in your word that directs us so clearly to live our lives in alignment with you you and your desires for our lives by loving and serving others Lord help us to conceive even creatively if need be of how we can serve others in this day and age let not let not us become complacent uh, and and defeated as we consider the challenges that arise to that end now but let us be driven more and more to love so we come in this time before you before your throne and ask spirit lead us guide us into the world lead us beyond our comfort and beyond the desires of our flesh the desires of self and help us to be directed into into your world to others we pray this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ our lord amen